This episode of Nomi Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products, created by a runner for runners. Learn more at hempdaddies.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 10% off and free shipping on your first order. That's H-E-M-P-D-A-D-D-Y-S.com and use code NOMEAT. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to NOMEAT Athlete Radio. Doug, the NMA radio audience, I'm sure, is dying to know who you got for the big game. <laughs> can't say, can't say what it is, right? Even in a non-advertising context, you just can't mention those words. That's right. I, you know, I got to go for Maroon Five. I think. <clears throat> Sorry, got to go for Maroon Five. I think, right? <laughs> I don't know. Are they are they playing it? <laughs> yeah, they're the they're the halftime show. No, I you know I. I who won't really wants the Patriots to win anymore? Unless you're like a Patriots fan, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody does. Yeah. And like, honestly, I don't care at all. But, you know, because they're the Patriots, I kind of just, I'll, I'll root for anybody else. I know. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm just tired of that. I'm tired of rooting for that and then thinking they're going to lose and then they win. <laughs> you know? I'm just, yeah. I, so I don't even care about that anymore. I just, that's that's the ultimate way of, you know, disrespecting them is that now we just i just don't care about football anymore because what they <laughs> they've just ruined football entirely well i mean they've done it with the with this chair of cheating as well right every year yeah just... sure sure <laughs> <laughs> i don't if anyone's a, a boston listener i honestly don't care at all but i don't know i don't know about the cheating thing but deflate gate deflate yeah and others Spy I saw gate. i saw saw someone a tweet the other day um from a non-vegan that was saying that uh that we're doing the we're doing uh, the, we're doing veganism a disservice by trying to push um, like vegan versions of you know typical tailgate food or whatever you know like mm-hmm. chicken wings and nachos and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, because there basically was arguing I forget what it said it was kind of funny but it was basically arguing like. Just let us have our day to eat junk food, and then you know, and then push your recipes on us later. Uh, to us, particularly, or to vegans in general? No, 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 it was, no, 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 not to nobody athlete. It was just oh, to, okay. to vegans in general. What do you think about that? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what to say about it. <laughs> like, because our, our food that we're pushing is still junk food, right? It's not right. Any oh yeah, healthier. it's totally junk food. No, not at all. And it's freaking delicious. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Right. Right. Speaking of vegan junk food, Doug, I had uh, I mentioned this in the interview that we're about to share in a few minutes. Um, so I've been eating healthily this year, very healthily, and mm-hmm. cut out oil in, especially cooked oil or heated oil in most of my diet, allowing it still in restaurant things. And what I didn't put in the blog post that I wrote about this, which side topic, I'm writing more blog posts these days. So people should go check that out at nomadistic.com. Yeah, weekly. One As per week these days. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. But anyway, I didn't want the post to get too long-winded and have all these exceptions. So I didn't write, I'm also having oil at home in the rare instance when I just eat some sort of vegan junk meal. And I'm just, it's not a habit and it's very rare, so I don't mind that. But I just didn't, didn't want the post to get too long. I had that in there and cut it out. But then right after that, um, Aaron brought home these new Beyond sausages. Have you heard of these? Mm. I thought the Beyond Burger, right? And Beyond right. Meat. I, well, I had one at the Beyond Bar in Boulder with our partner and, and no athlete, Matt Tolman. Oh, I didn't. I don't. 
That's right. I remember hearing about that now. Yeah. I didn't know that would be on bar, though. Yeah, I think it's the only one. I think it's the only one. They have, yeah, but they they serve up the Impossible Burger and Beyond sausages and like a bunch of, you know, like uh, Beyond, like egg replacers and stuff. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have an oil free menu. I doubt it. Maybe. No, but uh, yeah, it was it was delicious. I thought it was delicious. Did you? Yeah, what did so- you think of it? Well, tiny bit of background. A week or two before that, the reason Erin, when she saw them at Whole Foods, got them is because a week or two before that, I was in the checkout line at Ingalls, which is, as we've talked about before, just kind of a normal run-of-the-mill grocery store. They have their their share of vegan stuff, but it's, it's a normal grocery store. Yeah. Um, but in that checkout line, someone saw that I was buying some sort of, what was it? Uh, I think the Tofurky hot dogs, which I actually don't, I don't think they're horrible. They have a little bit of oil in them, but they... They're they're based on they're basically like I think tofu is one of the first ingredients so it's not like you know textured soy stuff or mm-hmm. or pea protein isolate likes in the Beyond stuff. Um, so anyway, he saw that this this couple saw that, and the guy said, hey, "Have you tried the Beyond ones?" And I just thought it was interesting that we got in this conversation, and it was clear that they were vegans as well. And uh, I I thought it was a good thing that in the Ingles checkout line, the, the normal you know everyday grocery store checkout line, people were talking about vegan food. I thought that was exciting to me. That is exciting. I like that. Yes. So anyway, um, yeah. So we got the we got the what the the regular bratwurst and had those with sauerkraut. I actually thought they were not that good. They were kind of hmm. greasy, the right texture, the, the right greasiness, but just lacking the the flavor. So I, that's not something I would have again. Uh, it wasn't bad. It's just that I wouldn't eat an unhealthy food again. But uh, I used the Italian one in like a like a bolognese kind of sauce, mm-hmm. and it worked out perfectly well. When I've tried that before with with like even good ones like uh, No Evil Foods or Field Roast, the the seitan type thing just dissolves in the sauce if you let it cook for, you know, 30, 40 minutes in there. But this didn't at all. It, it kept the texture and the flavor, and it was it actually worked really well for that. So hmm. I will still use that one now and then in the occasional recipe that calls for Italian sausage. I like that. I think, uh, yeah, I think I had the Italian sausage, and it was just on like a bun, you know, with like... Uh onions or something i don't know what was on it but um what i liked what i mean it was amazing the little like crisp the pop uh-huh. you know yep that you think of when you think of uh italian sausages mm-hmm. it i mean it was it was remarkable it was really good you know what was really strange so i noticed that with the bratwurst that it had that outer the casing you know mm-hmm. gets hard when you fry it um or grill it i guess but the Italian sausage, like the recipe that I was calling for, said take the casings off the sausages and then crumble them into the into the sauce or into, mm-hmm. into the pan, and then you add the sauce or add the tomatoes. Um, but as I was like peeling the the casing away, like it actually is a casing, and it's just a really weird thing because it's not it's not whatever the you know real casing is made out of. Um, but it was this sort of weird like God, I don't know how to describe it not not gelatinous but like just a weird substance that seemed like. Hmm. glue or something. I don't know. I found that kind I wonder of what it was. Whatever it is, it, it hardens exactly correct in the correct way that sausage would. So, yeah. I, good did job, I, tell I guess, you, Beyond Meat. I don't know. Did I tell you about my Impossible Burger experience? No. Also, so. also in Boulder with Matt. Um, hmm. yeah, you guys I, food, huh? <laughs> he took me on like a tour of... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we ate so much food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like... Every, all we did basically was like... 
meet and do work and then go he took me on the tour of like every, all of his favorite vegan food uh in boulder and there was a lot of it it was great it was amazing and so some of it was really healthy and some of it was not very not very much not right. healthy right um but delicious and so my impossible burger experience was when i took a bite immediately my throat like closed up the taste buds <laughs> it was so close that like my my reaction i mean was immediate my body was like what is this wow um and you know that like lessened as i ate the rest of the burger but that first bite uh-huh oh man my my taste buds just reacted so strongly is that one made by beyond meat or is yeah that it's it's their it's their one that i think you can only get it in restaurants ah okay. um and and only certain restaurants but it's the one that's like you know, hmm. supposed, supposed to be right. the exact same texture and everything. Yeah. Well, one of these days I will try it. Anyway, that's our, that's our vegan meat <laughs> chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which anyway. I often rail against. I do not think it's a good thing. But it, it sure is interesting to talk about and try. <laughs> it, is, and it is. It is. Anyway. Um, all right. Before we get into our episode, Doug, I need to give a sleep update. Oh. Are you, so, are you napping right now? No. But I feel like I should be, <laughs> because my the my my experiment has gone off the tracks. It, <laughs> <No>. my, <laughs> I'm spending money on sleep things, putting all this effort into it, and my sleep is just getting worse and worse. So, <laughs> you know what? Sorry, sorry, and I don't mean to laugh at you. But. It, I feel like there must be a movie somewhere where someone gives somebody else a ring, and it seems like this nice you know, innocent gift <laughs> and then it becomes a curse and the person like tries to throw it away and they can't and it just keeps coming back and the ring finds its way back into their life and ruins it. Uh, somebody should happening. make that, make that movie. Maybe even three of them. <laughs> oh, is that Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't know that. I, I'm, I'm such not a nerd that I have not seen those. Well, is I mean, what? there's a lot more to it than that, but that's, uh, of is course. that right? Okay. I, I, well, I did not realize that was it. I thought there was a more like a, horror genre movies about that oh kind of like the ring in, in that a movie oh there you go okay is that one is that I, don't, I don't know what that one's about i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> i have these brilliant movie ideas that uh have already been yeah. done in multiple genres somebody listening to this is gonna hear me say that that was lord of the rings and get really mad but because <laughs> <laughs> it's but anyway i thought that was the joke you were making no no, I just it just seems like a perfect movie thing. So anyway, <laughs> it, I, I find it funny that I got this ring and my life is way worse for having this aura <laughs> ring. Uh, yeah. So is, what 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 has been backfired? I mean, so I I think I think I set this up in the episode that we did about sleep, which was that I got like twenty six minutes of deep sleep on my first night, and you're supposed to get an hour and a half to two, and it's very important and you know important for all these kinds of things, including like preventing Alzheimer's and all kinds of stuff. So. I just started trying things. Uh, that long list that we talked about in the sleep episode, I just ran through that list, tried tons of things. Um, none of them seemed to really work. Like, I, I was looking for the thing that would fix whatever my problem was, that would allow me to start sleeping normally and just, you know, make some some single change. And once I found it, it would take my deep sleep from 30 minutes up to up to an hour and a half or whatever. Um I have since realized that, like, I don't think I'm going to find that thing because it just none of these do it. 
And I started saying, okay, well, what I'm going to do is small habits and hope that each of them adds a couple minutes and I'm never going to get the that full amount, but maybe I'm just not supposed to get that full amount. Maybe my body's different for some reason. Um, and so because of that, I have like nine or 10 different things that I'm now doing. I mean, I got a, I got a weighted blanket, like the big heavy blanket that goes on top of the bed that is like 15 pounds and feels like there's a person <laughs> on top of you or something. Uh-huh. Um, got a new pillow, got blackout <laughs> curtains. <laughs> my room is completely dark at night. Like you, like you, I keep kicking our dog because you can't see anything at night. And I just walk to the bathroom and just kick the dog in the face, and I feel horrible about it. Um, I'm sure he does too. I've I've tried all different like food things. I try the tart cherry juice late at night. I tried the magnesium for a while. Uh, I I take a bath before bed most nights, which hot at or first cold? was working. Hot. I've not tried the cold yet. I, that's I need to do that. Um, <laughs> Well, guess until last night, guess how many hours and minutes of sleep I got in the past three nights combined, deep sleep. Combined? You don't need to guess. 32 minutes combined. 32 in, minutes? Yeah, including a seven. I had a seven minutes of deep sleep one night. Oh, my gosh. And you were getting 25? 25. I, as I was doing this, I got up into the 40s a couple of times. Once I got an hour. So I'm just... It's, so it's just getting worse. I f- sleep has become like this stressful thing for me now where every night I'm like tossing and turning. Every time I wake up, it's no longer that I'm just awake and I have to get back to sleep. Now I'm awake and wondering like, feel- feeling like I need to get back to sleep so that I don't mess up my sleep <laughs> stuff. It's just awful. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it, has, it has gotten so bad. So I, I've been researching like accuracy of the aura rings and I actually found that they're not that accurate. There's some, there's some yeah, that was actual question, studies yeah. done about them. Yeah, I mean, they're just guessing whether you're in deep or REM sleep. They're not measuring brainwaves, of course. So they're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, your the blood throw, flow through your finger because it's a ring. Um, apparently, they can measure your respiratory rate from that, your movement. And, and they're taking all these things and saying, well, then this, you know, we're going to call this one deep sleep because it seems like that. But the, I think their accuracy is like 75, 80% when they compare them to lab studies, uh, which is kind of good. But you could easily imagine that, you know, certain people would have their REM and, and deep sleep states look very similar just by the way they move and, you know, breathe. You, you can imagine. So I, I'm sure there are accuracy issues. Um, anyway, I, I'm not sure well, you Matt, can tell. I just, it's making me I mean, I think, I think I need to, I think we need to have a little intervention here. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> you got to get rid of the ring. I know, exactly. <laughs> I think you and, have to. But I can't. <laughs> I gotta, because now, I don't know. It would be so nice just to go to sleep and not have that ring on and not have to think about that and just have to do normal bed like I used to. And here's what's really funny about these things. I feel totally great when I wake up in the mornings until I see my sleep report. And Uh then I feel badly because I see all these jagged wake-ups and, you know, back and forth. And and I slip into deep sleep for a minute and then come out of it. And I wonder what's wrong and why I can't figure it out. But I'm like, if I really separate myself from that, I feel great when I wake up. All these sleep things I'm doing, I feel like they're helping. But it's just, I guess the stress piece is, I mean, that's really bothering. But somehow I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suffering that much as, as a sleeper. It's just, the, it's just the reading that report and seeing the data and getting these bad scores every day. Well, maybe you, maybe, I don't know. Could you not look at it? <laughs> I can't, that's an idea. I could not look at my stats and uh, like only look at it at the end of a month. I'd have yeah. to keep track of the things I did if I wanted to actually learn anything. Yeah. Right, and then I could compare it to the end. That's not right. a bad idea. Actually, that would separate a lot of the, a lot of the anxiety. And then, like, and then write down how you've been feeling for the month. 
like get it like write it down <laughs> tell 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 you know come on the podcast or tell me or whatever you know like i think that this stuff worked and i'm feeling pretty good or i'm feeling pretty tired and then you, and then look at the data and and it will either tell you that you're right and feeling that way or you or you can be like you know what maybe that doesn't matter yeah i, I think that would be actually a, a very scientific way to do this probably better arrive at the right you know the right habits uh and remove a lot of the stress from my life the problem Doug, is it's impossible because <laughs> there's a dopamine rush you get when you when each morning i wake up and i am feeling like i did a good job and got a good sleep and i look at that thing even when it's a bad result it's like it's like gambling it's like i it, it triggers the same thing in my brain i just can't wait to like see what the see how it did uh-huh and, and i'm addicted to it now well yeah, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> Except to I tell do, you to I do delete like the idea. The, I mean, I you know, it's like it's kind of perfect, right? I mean, February first is right around the corner. It's the shortest month of the year. It's, you know, so it's not as uh, yeah. It's more approachable. I think. I think you should do the whole month of February without. It is not at a bad that. idea. Think about I it. Yeah. You then you get you then you get tonight and you get one more night to look at it. One more hit mm-hmm. of that dopamine. I like it. Then I'll write down, if I change anything, I'll write down what I did, and then I'll write my subjective opinion of how I slept when I wake up the next day. Yeah. And that's I think, it. I think that's good. And then at the end of the month, I can look and see how accurate my subjective thing was mm-hmm. and how the things actually worked. And you know what? During that month, at the end of the month, if, it, if, you're, if the data comes back completely different than the way you feel, then you should actually go to a sleep person mm-hmm. and see if, see if the ring is even working for you. Right. Ah, the ring. <laughs> that cursed ring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, All right. I I'm, like sorry, I'm sorry to laugh at you, but uh, it's, no, <laughs> I mean, it's I kind like of your funny. idea, actually. I might try that. This is, that would make for a great blog post to you. Mm-hmm. would. This also would make for anyone out there who has a good sleep company that thinks they would like to get a leg up on the Aura ring who wants to send me that to try. I would be happy to do that. <laughs> yeah great then you have like five different <laughs> contraptions measuring your sleep and they're all different well, and you're like i've seen that very thing has been done there's this i don't know if it's a company or a forums or whatever but it's a website and it's called quantified self and it's all these people who are into this stuff and somebody wore eight different sleep trackers and put the minute by minute comparison and there's just total disagreement all like across the board it's just i mean a few of them agree in certain things but it's just i think we rely on it as if it's fact i certainly have done that until mm-hmm. i started questioning <laughs> all right anyway anyway probably enough of that um we have, a, we have an interview today we have an interview first time in a long time and one that was a long time coming i met hannah and derek this is hannah of high carb hannah that many people will know um we're i we're not the best youtube fans doug and i mentioned this in the interview i admitted this to hannah that i don't really have anyone that i like follow on youtube i'm not really i don't know a lot about that whole scene uh but i think it's cool and i think it's I think there's a lot of passion and good stuff going on as far as veganism goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Hannah is one of the one of the biggest YouTube stars as far as veganism goes, and her background, her story is that she, I mean, the thing people know about her is that she lost, I believe, seventy pounds um, by doing, you know, she's called high carb Hannah, so, so everyone assumes it's high carbs. Um, what I didn't really know until I looked a little bit, because I really like I mean I've I've looked at her stuff for sure, but I didn't go back and look at her first videos or anything like that until in preparing for this I did. Um, she was she was into like the raw fruitarian scene for a long time, and 
found that not only was that stressing her out and difficult to do, um, because it is, you know, it is sort of strange the way how you have to eat, you know, 30 bananas a day if you're going to do that route or these giant banana and date smoothies. And you just eat a very large quantity of food that seems pretty strange. Um, or that's not that the food stream changed. That in a way that seems strange when you tell someone how much fruit you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and she found it didn't work. And apparently that was so. I, this is really interesting to me. We we have talked, I think, Doug, about how there's this, at least there was, this crazy amount of like raw vegan scene on the YouTube channels. So like mm-hmm. when I first when I went to the Woodstock Food Festival. Um, I remember being amazed at how many people there weren't bloggers or podcasters, but instead had their raw vegan YouTube channel. And what I didn't realize until talking to Hannah was that, like, that wasn't just some strange thing that I happened to notice. That's actually how it was. Like, it was almost all raw vegan people, fruitarian vegan people on YouTube. Hannah, after in the, having... In the vegan niche on YouTube. No, all of YouTube. Mostly YouTube was raw vegan. Nothing else on it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yes. Of the the popular vegan YouTube channels, I think the majority of them were fruitarian, which is strange because that's not the majority of vegans, right? That's that's a small part. No, definitely not, yeah. Um, But I guess that's the people who were, and I think I guessed this in the old days, was that they're just the ones who are passionate about it. They're the ones who are the most passionate. They're willing to go to that that length uh, to eat that way. And that's the type of people who would who would naturally want to share their stuff in a in a channel. So just a guess, um, but it's not the early days of YouTube anymore. So I think some of that has changed. But anyway, Hannah, in having found that she was not having success, and I think actually gained weight eventually by doing that, um, she decided to switch to the starch based, which is like John McDougal, who we had on the podcast. His whole approach, uh, his book was called The Starch Solution. And then Hannah told me that he also has one that is more specifically for weight loss. I forget the name of it, but um, and then he's got the one that the healthiest diet on the planet, which is what we interviewed him about. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so she switched to that, and that's when all her all her weight loss really started happening. And what she kind of implied in this interview was that the reason her channel took off was because she was one of the first people to, you know, speak out and say, "Look, this fruitarian thing isn't working for me." Uh, or the, I guess it was more like the raw till four thing. This isn't working for me, and I'm going to try this instead. And then it turned out that this thing worked. And what what kind of became a theme of the interview is that that what I like about it is that that starch based eating the McDougal plan, um, although still extreme, I guess by you know certainly someone who's outside of the plant based vegan communities, if they look at that, they say, well, that's kind of hard to do. But you know, eating a whole lot of rice and potatoes and beans doesn't seem because it's cooked food doesn't seem quite as out there. Uh, or difficult to do as eating all fruit. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think what's what's kind of nice in Hannah's message, and, and it goes along with the theme of what we try to do, is that it presents a, a more approachable, or sorry, more sustainable, um, main, potential to be mainstream popular version of super healthy plant-based diet for weight loss. Fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah, good. So, that's kind of what we started the interview with. Um, we talked a little bit about you know the vegan crews where we met. Oh, and in fact, we were talking about that at the beginning of the episode. So we had a bunch of technical difficulties when we started this thing, um, which is why we didn't have an episode last week, Doug, is because I right. broke my microphone. Mm-hmm. When I was right. I was doing some uh, 
some KonMari in my office, rearranged some things, and bent the cord, but while it was in the microphone, so somehow that broke the jack, which means I'm now on my third uh, Yeti microphone by Blue. I keep changing the colors, which is nice. A new <laughs> color every time. A little fresh, something fresh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so we didn't, so that didn't work. But then I started having problems when I was recording with them yesterday. So anyway, we were, we were finally, had finally resolved them when, when I, when we started, you know, quote unquote recording and I forgot to hit the record button. So <laughs> I just, I just, rather than start over, I just hit the button while we were talking, we were talking about the cruise, but we missed some funny stuff about how, cause we met in the casino and, uh, Derek, who's Hannah's husband and I, we hit a lot of roulette and he was fascinated by my roulette strategy, which is what you often say, tell you <laughs> yeah. like gambling with me. Cause I, have, I love telling I people who strategies. know you about the roulette strategy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sometimes that has actually worked too on cruise on the cruise, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's for sure. For I'm sure that it was the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we were talking about that, and then I just hit the record button as as soon as I realized that we hadn't been. So we talk about the cruise some, and I don't know. This interview it just came out differently than a lot of the ones that we do, uh, perhaps because it wasn't so much like I didn't ask Hannah a whole lot of how to questions because when when we talked about weight loss, like, which is kind of her her thing. Um, or I shouldn't say it's her thing. It's her thing that made her popular. Um, you know, her, her advice is she did the starch solution and, and it worked. And so she now does a lot of things to make that even more approachable and more, uh, I don't think adaptable is the right word, but just, just mainstream friendly. She puts out, you know, very good, tasty recipes. Uh, when sometimes the things in those, that kind of book, a diet book's recipes aren't usually all that good. Um, so anyway, it wasn't a whole lot of like the Chef AJ interview where we talk a lot about like, you know, ins and outs and how does caloric density work and, you know, all these different psychological kind of approaches to it. So we didn't do a whole lot of that. We kind of more just, actually, we talked about YouTube a lot. I kept asking YouTube questions uh, <laughs> because it's interesting. I, there's so much venom in the comments on YouTube. So I was asking her things about that. And uh, I don't know, it, it just kind of was us hanging out for an hour talking and uh, I enjoyed it. I hope people do. It's a little bit different from our other, other interviews in that way. Um but I hope that it. I uh, hope people like it. Yeah, I do too, and I'm excited to check it out myself. All right. Well then, until next week, Doug. Should we just jump right into it? Oh yeah. I mean, I guess we should say I didn't. I wasn't on the. I wasn't no. on the interview. So thank God, because having having three people on there is what caused the technical difficulties. So four would have made it even more of a nightmare. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad I could save you that. All right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sounds good. So let's get to the interview with Hannah and Derek. But before we do that, I want to remind you that this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products, including tinctures, capsules, and a transdermal cream, which is great for sore muscles and chronic pain points. All of Hemp Daddies' CBD is produced from USDA organic hemp and singularly sourced from a family-owned and operated farm in Longmont, Colorado. Matt, as you know, I first started using CBD myself to help me fall asleep. Uh, But Caleb, the founder and main man behind Hemp Daddy, started using CBD as a tool for his running. So I was a little curious about that, and I called him up and asked him why runners should care about CBD products. So you should care about it because um, CBD is a powerful anti-inflammatory. And and this is one of the reasons I started Hemp Daddies. I was struggling with um, chronic inflammation and pain from an Achilles tendonitis issue. And when I started taking CBD oil for personal uses, I noticed just that, that pain was cut down tremendously and I had less inflammation. I was also recovering faster from my runs. So it, it really helps with recovery, um, reducing pain. It even helps you sleep better, which as you know, as a runner, like, you know, sleep is super important and vital to our recovery. 
All right, so there you have it, an all-natural anti-inflammatory. I like it. Help fight pain and inflammation, sleep better, and recover faster with Hemp Daddy's CBD products. Visit HempDaddies.com, that's H-E-M-P-D-A-D-D-Y-S.com, and use code NOMEAT for 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's HempDaddies.com, code NOMEAT, all one word, no dash, NOMEAT at checkout. Like, I'm bringing a coffee maker, like a French press, and Tupperware, and all kinds of stuff, whereas last year... I could not stand the coffee on the cruise. I was like, this is worse than Ikea coffee, man. <laughs> yeah. The coffee on the boat is is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I've, I don't know. I may have brought an AeroPress one year to uh, to try to fix that problem. I don't know. Oh, that's Well, that's what I'm bringing, a French press. Yeah, you know what the problem was? You can't get boiling water. That's the hard part. But I'm bringing a hot water kettle, so I oh, got you. okay. There you go. You've got a foldable hot water kettle. Like, like, like it folds down to be like small so it's good for travel oh, good. nice good for smuggling onto the boat in case that's not allowed it's not allowed <laughs> no, i said in case it's not i don't know i know wine bottles oh, okay. i've tried to bring wine bottles on and that gets confiscated and then you have to pick it up at the oh, end of the, end of the cruise for you. <laughs> yeah. but we'll leave that for like an email or something uh, that's probably a good idea all right, so guys, unbeknownst to you, I I was not recording the first few minutes of this call when we were talking about gambling, but I have hit the record button, and we're not gonna not gonna stop again because uh, for those listening, we had half hour worth of technical difficulties. So um, got the second part of that cruise conversation, but anyway, we met on the cruise, and uh, both come back this year, or both I should say, all three of us are going back this year. I will be bringing the the wife and kids this time, which should be a lot of fun. My wife has been on before and has enjoyed it, but never had the kids on, and they always have been begging to go. So um, it should be fun. We're going to be there for, I think, five of the days, not the whole. Are you guys doing the whole thing? No. When are you getting off? We're getting off in Cozumel. Cozumel, that. Uh, we will. Okay. So you're at the start. I get off in Colombia. Anyway, let's talk about actual health things instead of gambling and coffee and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, so I. I guess a bit of background for people who don't know. Um, your guys' YouTube channel, channel High Carb Hannah, um, is incredibly incredibly popular. You've got, when I checked, I don't know, 650,000 subscribers or something on there. Yeah. Um, which is insane and awesome. So congratulations. Um, yeah. And I just, I'd like to know the background of that because admittedly, I am not that much of a YouTube person. Like, I've, obviously, I know how to use YouTube and I go on it and look things up. Um, but I wouldn't say there's anyone that I like follow on there. And the whole, the whole vegan YouTube scene to me is somehow just sort of like mysterious and fascinating. And <laughs> it's like different from the way, especially cause I, when I did all the blogging stuff that I, most of what I did at Nomad Athlete was, you know, five to 10 years ago. And I don't know, it just, it just, I feel like it didn't have the same energy that, that the vegan YouTube scene does. So we'll let, we'll get into that. But, um, can you just give us the background, Hannah, of like how the story started? Because I'm actually kind of interested myself. Um, in I was watch, I was looking at your channel, and kind of looking at some of the earliest videos, and it sounded like in those you were referring to, you referred back to your Instagram channel, and as if you sort of already had a following before you even um, started YouTubing. Is that correct? And like, and like when you switched to from from raw to starch or from food to starch, that that's when you started the YouTube. Yeah. So. No, I started with YouTube back in, I want to say it was like 2013. And it was right, um, pretty much kind of like after I went vegan, I went through like a whole junk food scene 
And then I found all these people on YouTube who were eating, you know, like 80, 10, 10, tons of fruit, that kind of style. And they were really fit and really healthy and they were just smashing in like tons of food. And I was still like, I had struggled with my weight my entire life. So I see all these people eating this way. and I'm like, I'm going to do that. Like no restriction. Um, so basically I got like Doug Graham's book. I started 80, 10, 10, and I ended up gaining just like so much weight from it because it was just ridiculously hard for me to stick to being someone who grew up in the Midwest. You know, I didn't live in Australia or Hawaii. I wasn't, I didn't have like the access to fruit that some other people did. And I never really was somebody who had like a big sweet tooth. So I should have just known right off the bat that it didn't work for me, but I struggled with it and failed with it for I'd say probably like a good eight to 10 months. And I ended up just gaining a bunch of weight and kind of feeling more lost than I did initially. And it's weird because back when I started YouTube, everybody on YouTube, I swear to you, was a raw vegan. Like they were 100% raw, just like crazy. There was Floyd Rock, Christina, Ravana, Freely the Banana Girl. Everybody was raw. Like nobody was eating a normal vegan diet. It was so weird <laughs> now that I think about it. But, um, so I was really struggling and I found this guy on YouTube. His name is Potato Strong. He's still on YouTube. <laughs> He's from Canada. He's like, his name's Will Christie. He's, I don't even know, probably like 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And he was eating the starch solution. He was promoting Dr. McDougal. He'd lost a bunch of weight. Him and his wife were you know, thriving on this. And I saw him and I was like, I could eat potatoes and rice all day. Like for <laughs> real. So I started doing that and I, it was just really easy for me because especially growing up in a cold climate and really liking savory foods like that. Like I just, I never was even like a breakfast person. I was never a smoothie person and I was really forcing myself to drink these like massive smoothies and eat fruit all day. It was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I started eating like just a lot of potatoes, a lot of rice, a lot of basically just like whole grains, low fat, whole foods. And I dropped weight super quick. Like I lost 40 pounds the first six months. I started massively, promoting the starch solution and I started talking about how I gained a lot of weight doing like raw and this was the time when kind of like raw till four started coming out so Mm -hmm. then all girls were like coming out of the closet saying like I gained weight too and blah 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 blah. and I don't know it just kind of started this whole cooked food thing on YouTube (laughs) like really weird to think that that's what made me popular but it was promoting the starch solution and promoting cooked food because everybody was a raw vegan. Like, this is so bizarre. Wow. I, so I didn't really realize that that... I mean, I was going to ask you, like, what what do you think is sort of what made it take off? But, I mean, you think that's what it was? That you were sort of the... I mean, one of the yeah. pioneers on YouTube who, who said, like, hey, let's... You know, this doing all raw food all the time is kind of crazy? Or, or I mean, just the fact yeah, that you were willing to eat I mean, food? Expensive. Like, it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. When you think about, like, how much potatoes and rice and beans cost versus cases of bananas and like all these tropical fruits and all this fruit and stuff that people are eating it was really ridiculous and it was just a very like i don't like i don't hate any of these people or anything like we've come to terms and i've talked to people who have promoted like raw till four and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. i think they're great people but like it was very much like a cult mentality and it was like if you're not doing it right you know if you're gaining weight you're not doing it right you're not exercising enough you're not drinking enough water you're not like and all these girls were like, I was doing everything perfect. And it was, it was really just calories in, calories out, you know? And when you eat like a whole foods, plant-based diet, that's focused more on 
you know, the more calorie dilute foods like potatoes and vegetables and rice and beans and starches and stuff like that, it's very easy to be in a calorie deficit and still be stuffed. So a lot of girls started switching and I think it was more my, the thing that kind of made me take off was me standing up and being like, this is stupid and this doesn't work for everybody. Like maybe it works for you if you love fruit and you live in a tropical climate and it's cheap, but it doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering what, like, it would be sort of scary for me to, even now, like to be on, maybe this is why I'm not on YouTube yet, by the way, because I've been talking to Derek about this since last year. How am I going to get myself doing some YouTube? And I just keep not. And I think, honestly, I'm afraid to do it because the, I don't know something about the, the environment there. I just, it just seems like there's so much hostility and people criticizing and all that. Um, but I'm like, what, what gave you, what made you confident enough to like, you know, be the person who did that just because it's really easy to, as you said, there were a lot of, a lot of people who were afraid maybe to say that like this wasn't working for them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean was I it just, know. are you just that kind of person? I mean, I don't know. Cause I was at my highest weight ever. I was like super uncomfortable with myself and I guess I just got, I mean, I didn't want to see people go down the same path that I did and like fail like that. But I mean, that diet does work for people. I'm not saying, you know, everybody has to eat the way I do either. Like, I know people who've been raw vegan for a long time and it yeah. works for them. But it's a very, it's a very small niche, you know, because most of us are just very used to eating cooked food. Like, it's just weird to eat a standard American diet your whole life and then become a fruitarian. Like, it's just really odd. But I don't know. I have no idea what gave me the courage to to do that when I first did but I think it's just because I found something that worked for me and Dr. McDougall was actually making videos saying you know like the fruitarian diet is stupid <laughs> doing it like we're starch eaters and we evolved to be starch eaters and I got really educated and I took like the eCornell plant-based nutrition course and I I don't know maybe I just I felt confident but you're right like YouTube is scary I don't even <laughs> I tell therapists all the time I'm like YouTube is hard like it's a very different thing and I don't even think you need to get into it. Just You're good at what you do and just keep on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see. I, I mean, there's some things I like to, I think would be fun to do just with video, but uh, you're right. I mean, I think that, that definitely is something to, to be aware of. Um, I think I appreciate how you, how you, you know, pick the path that is less weird and, and easier for people to, to imagine themselves doing. Um, no, I have nothing against raw. Like I, I've tried it a little bit. Never really have done it for more than you know. I did because I went to the the Woodstock Fruit Festival back in I don't know. Must have been 2013, maybe. Um, and and had a good time and and like felt really high energy for a while. I actually eventually stopped doing it after like a month or two because I felt like I was it was too hard for me to keep the weight on. Um, yeah. And it just didn't. And and like you said, it was just it was just very hard to. I mean, you just can't go and eat out. Uh, I mean, you, maybe you can go just get a salad with nothing on it, but at least, at least with where you're eating cooked food, it's a little bit more approachable perhaps. So I, I don't know that one is better than the other. And I'm actually curious about things like micronutrients and all that, which I can, we can talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, even, sorry, but even like Woodstock Fruit Festival, it's like, it's a very different type of person, <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. Yeah. these aren't like normal people that are working nine to five jobs. Like most of them are very more like hippie-ish and living in vans and like, yes, right. <laughs> kind of stuff like that. Like, except for Mike Arnstein, who really had like a successful business and stuff, but 
I mean, they're extreme people. I mean, even right. Mike Arnstein was running 10 miles a day to work each way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a really good point. So perhaps average person to be like, that's the life I want to live. When they have a job or they have kids and they, you know, drive a car to work and they're not cycling for hundred kilometers a day like it's just it's a different type of Derek went down that path he was hardcore for a oh, while yeah. so <laughs> oh yeah well I want to hear about that how how long did you do it Derek I mean I I wouldn't say how long I did it I would say how long I attempted to do it because even when I first started doing it and even after trying to do it for a number of years it's like I was still always eating starch so I was usually eating rice um in the evening because Eating, you know, 10, 10 banana smoothies with dates in it just doesn't feel that satisfying after you've been doing it for the last few years. So you're just looking for like a little bit more substance. But when I really got into it and I was living with my buddy Ted is I dropped a considerable amount of weight. So comfortably right now, I'm probably 155, 160 pounds and I'm six foot tall, which is still, really so, thin. Which is still like mm-hmm. thin compared to like the average American. Like, I'm very thin, but I dropped down to about 145 pounds at six feet. So I think my BMI, I think it was actually under 20. Hmm. So it was getting to that point. And I was doing a lot of training on the bike and I was really fast and I, and I was performing really well, but I looked godly thin. Oh my God. He sent me a photo when we first started dating of him like at his thinnest and I think he was trying to be like, look at me. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> like we're going to put some meat on, like some vegan meat on those bones and some potatoes. And like, once we met, he started gaining weight just because he started eating more cooked food. But, and I, and I stopped doing as nearly as much exercise. So I was riding my bike at least 10 to 10, uh, 10 to 10, seven to 10 hours per week, I would say on average, mm-hmm. which isn't like a huge amount. You know, a lot of pro cycles are probably around 20 to 30 hours a week, but Still, just for the average person, I was still cycling a lot and just eating extremely low fat and basically raw. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess to get back to the point, I think it's I think it's just really a good thing when, as far as like spreading this diet, spreading this movement, not not any particular form of it, but just spreading veganism. Um, I, I do think the more approachable it can be, the better. So I think it's it's. An interesting thing I hadn't actually—I had thought the comparison in my head between raw diets and starch-based diets, um, but you're right. One of them you can totally do, you know, as a quote-unquote normal person, whereas to be totally raw, um, not that you can't do it. It just introduces a whole lot of of uh, you know complications and much more planning ahead and all that. So Hannah, with uh, with starch, when you actually lost all that weight, were you following McDougal's plan like to the letter? Is that how you were doing it? And if so, I'm not, I, I've had him on the podcast once, and we talked a good bit. It was interesting, actually, about I, – I, it was sort of the first time I had been exposed to that idea at all um, of just eating primarily starch. But I don't know. Is it is as far as losing weight, is it one of those, you know, eat until you are completely full, eat as much as you possibly can or, or want um, as long as it's these certain foods and you, you are pretty much guaranteed to lose weight? Is it one of those? I mean – not let's not say guaranteed because obviously, <laughs> but like, is that is that the the idea behind the plan? I would say, um, well, my, you know this, but McDougall. Well, I don't know if he knows, but he has two different books. So he has the Starch Solution, which is based more for like your standard American diet, who's fifty to whatever fifty plus pounds overweight, 
who really just needs to like start eating a healthy diet and drop some weight, drop their cholesterol, you know, like lower their chance of heart disease, all that kind of stuff, which is how I ate for probably like the first six months. You know, I was eating still like bread and I was eating um, like more processed foods that he allows and probably a little bit more fat, but I was following the starch solution. And then once I got um, to like closer to, I would say, a lower BMI, because um, I was originally 188 pounds, so we'll just say like 190. I dropped to 150 like pretty easily, not really doing much, just being consistent. And then once I got to like 140-ish, it was really hard for me to drop any more weight. And I started doing the starch solution for maximum weight loss, which is kind of more like what Chef AJ does, if uh-huh. you Chef AJ. So yep. like no bread, no white rice, no processed foods, no pasta, no sugar, no nuts, like zero fat, fat. And, um, I did that for like, I'd probably say like a year. And I even did like the potato cleanse in there where I only ate potatoes for a month. (laughs) I got down to like 18 pounds Uh and it was, it was kind of just like my, I don't know. I feel like I had to like prove something myself or I don't even know what I was doing. But now even when I just eat like a natural whole food plant-based diet, I'm working out. I'm like very healthy. Like my weight kind of just stays around like 130 pretty naturally. So I was kind of like pushing myself to, I feel like with that diet, you're kind of pushing yourself to the limit. Like if you want to be like supermodel thin or something, you know, like, like Chef AJ is pretty thin. So like if you want to be in that lower BMI class, I feel like you kind of have to push it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. And I feel like anyone could get to a normal BMI just with the starch solution. With hmm. even eating um, like some processed vegan foods. And I mean, for me and Derek, like it's very, very easy to maintain our weight. And I, my entire family is obese. So I have the genetic predisposition to be like obese. And, you know, I overcame obesity <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with the starch solution, <laughs> I guess. But. <laughs> I think that's the place where you want to get to is like you just want to be able to enjoy your life and live your life and not have to be so restrictive to maintain a certain BMI or something. Yeah. Be able to, you know, have the energy to like go hiking and go work out and like be able to eat some garden nuggets, whatever, like some vegan processed food or go to a vegan restaurant. Like I have been down the route of like being perfect and it's just it's not even worth living. (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting to me. So when did you... uh... Like when did you when did you decide that it was time to, you know, stop trying to do it perfectly and just say okay I'm gonna you know be okay with going out to eat or eating whatever processed thing that seems good here and there, like th- was that a conscious decision or did you just say like was it just that you got to a target weight and then said okay I'm just gonna like ease off a little bit or or did it did it happen and sort of just creep back into your diet? No, so what kind of happened was, like, when I was done losing weight and I'd lost 70 pounds, I had never in my entire life ever been successful losing weight. So I really didn't know what to do. I I had no idea how to maintain my weight. Um, and over the next year, I just kind of relaxed with it. And I just kind of thought, like, well, I'm maintaining now, so I can just kind of do whatever I want. And it's not like I was eating tons of food or binging or not working out at all or anything. Um, but my weight went back to, up to like, I think I got to like 145 or something. And, um, I don't know. I, I think just having like unrealistic expectations based off of like society standards for women is ridiculous. And 
that's kind of where I was at, you know? So I just decided like, I'm not going to have a weight goal anymore and I'm just going to enjoy my life and eat as healthy as I can. Like we do eat probably 90% whole food plant-based and healthy, but it's just, it's not a way I want to live my life. Honestly, like I don't want to care how much I weigh and I don't want to, I don't want to promote that to other women as well. You know, like, I think if you can get to a healthy body weight and have energy and have normal periods and feel good about yourself and like work out and do all the things that you're, you need to do to feel healthy. That's where like, that's success. It's not fitting into a size zero jeans or looking like a freaking Instagram celebrity or something. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think, I mean, I think so many people probably do, I mean, you hear so many stories of people who lose a bunch of weight or otherwise get healthy, right? Whatever their vision of health is, they achieve that vision of health. And then a year later, they're back where they started because it, they just couldn't find that, that in between that, that life that, you know, where you, where you can kind of make exceptions here or maybe they're not even called exceptions anymore, where you just do what you said, kind of live a normal, happy life. And you don't make food the entire focus of it. And you don't have these really high standards to keep. But like, I think a lot of people have a whole lot of trouble with, with keeping, you know, finding that line and, and making it not, I don't even say a line cause it's not a line, but like just being okay with that without having a, an exact line that says this is okay. And this isn't, um, yeah. do you see that happening a lot? And do you have any, any, like, is there any reason why you think it has worked for you or any advice for people who, who are worried about that? I mean, I see what you're saying. So like, I think if we eat our natural diet, we should be able to maintain a healthy BMI naturally. Like I think a lot of people who who eat a standard American diet and then they try something really extreme, like for example, keto or like some low carb diet or some just ridiculous diet that's totally not maintainable whatsoever or even healthy. Um, And they push really hard to like lose all this weight and then they can't maintain that diet because it's just totally ridiculous. And they don't feel good on it. And they probably all these other reasons. And then they gain all the weight back. Like, I thought I thought it was... I did, when I gained weight, when I gained 20 pounds back, I was like, hey, at least I didn't gain 70, you know? like mm-hmm. Because it, it is a very common thing for people to be, like, very gung-ho, lose a bunch of weight, kind of, like, proving something to themselves. And then usually finding some type of a sweet spot and maintaining. But... I mean, for me to maintain like 130 pounds and be able to have a normal BMI, like my BMI is like 20 something. So it's not like, you know, I'm up there or anything like that. But I think everybody who eats our natural diet could maintain a normal BMI pretty effortlessly eating like 90% whole plant food. I just think it doesn't happen for a lot of people because they do these like really extreme diets or they're like calorie counting. Right. Right. So so negative like just such a negative mindset yeah i saw that you had a video about uh about why you stopped calorie counting and uh i like that because i I agree with you i think it just it just doesn't seem to have a like like you said if you're eating natural like the foods that we are kind of meant to eat and people can split hairs and argue about whether or not that should include some amount of animal products or not like even that doesn't matter to me in talking about how we're meant to eat um it's just if you eat like natural foods that aren't processed and you don't eat meat for three meals a day or even maybe not even every day but it just seems to me that like it, it for the most part you shouldn't ever need to to count calories it doesn't seem like it has a natural place in in 
how we deal with food because for so long we didn't even know calories were a thing uh and and for so long people weren't weren't fat so like that wasn't the problem that that we didn't know about calories uh i don't know i mean what, what was your reason for stopping just pretty much same same logic i mean it just leads to very restrictive and like just really bad eating habits like i look at derek right and he is like a naturally thin person but it's not like he is eat- it's not like he I think a lot of people have this mentality that like people who are naturally thin just like have these ridiculous metabolisms and they've done studies where they show that people's metabolisms are only like at most a hundred some calories difference. Like their baseball metabolic rate hmm. is just more. Most people who are naturally thin are naturally more active. You know, they're naturally happier. They like to go to the gym. They don't put ridiculous you know standards to eat 1200 calories a day which leads them to feeling super restricted and then binging and then having these like cycles of dieting and screwing up over and over and over and over again and like i see Derek, like i just saw Derek, like over time just eating when he was hungry not giving a shit about food like at all Mm -hmm. and just you know it's like i would be eating more food than he was because i would be like thinking oh my god i have to eat perfect and then right i'd end up eating like a vegan ice cream bar and just being like screw it i'm gonna eat everything inside <laughs> and he's never like that you know yeah that's interesting that actually that that's i had not thought of this but like that stressing over calories could actually add stress to the point where it causes you to eat more calories because you know now you've got this other thing which is stress and you've got to deal with that uh and for a lot of people that the way to do that is go eat vegan ice cream um yeah. So then, Derek, what what is your motivation then for? It sounds like you guys eat the same way more or less now. Uh, that you're both eating the you know ninety percent whole foods and mostly starch based vegan. Um, what's your motivation for for eating that? Because that's still not the easiest possible way to eat. I mean, we can talk about how like it's way easier than people think to eat whole food and vegan, but certainly there are easier ways and unfortunately less healthy ways. But like, what's what's the motivation for you? I mean, if you have a, a weight loss motivation. Um, you know, that helps. And if you're, if you're the star of a YouTube channel, then that helps. Like, you know, I, I get that. Like that helps keep you on track, but like, is it just sort of to it because that's easy or is it that you, you think this is the healthiest long-term way to eat and you've got a partner who's doing it as well. So why not? I mean, what's, what keeps you doing or because that? I cook food. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a number of things. So like I've been vegan longer than Hannah has. So when we met, like I had been vegan probably for at least four or five years at that point. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really something like Hannah's influenced me. Like she's changed my eating habits in a sense that I eat much more starch based now. Whereas before I was trying to eat more raw and like eating tons of bananas. But my initial motivation, um, my initial motivation was basically my skin about eight or nine years ago. So I just had really bad cystic acne throughout basically growing up well into my 20s. I still get some pimples now and then. But just through diet alone, like it's made a significant impact on basically the quality or the condition of my skin. Mm -hmm. So that was the initial thing that kind of got me into it. And then over the years, obviously, I've learned about the ethical reasons, um, the environmental reasons. But overall, just like in a general day to day kind of, you know, mentality is I have far more energy. I weigh my my weight is far easier to control. Like I remember when I first, so like I tried to go vegan for a bit and I was trying to do 100% raw. Then I actually, I went back to basically eating a standard American diet. And I noticed that I was ballooning up in weight up to about 175, 180 pounds. 
And I remember this one time that I was in Toronto and I just noticed like when I was sitting down that my stomach started to go over my shorts. <laughs> and when I noticed that, I was like, unbelievable. And I'd been really thin my pretty well my entire life. And I started to notice that, oh my God, I'm starting to gain weight. And just not like a little bit, like a substantial amount. And so then that was like another motivating factor as well. I'm just like, it's just so much easier. I feel so much better on a day-to-day basis. Bowel movements are super consistent. Whereas like if you're eating, you know, steak and chicken and, you know, what other processed meats that you're going to be eating, like they can be extremely inconsistent and they can be very difficult. Whereas like it's, it just works so much better. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I I was just talking to someone about this two days ago, uh, that it seems like everyone who has gone vegan and, and stuck with it for some amount of time, um, even if it's not the healthiest form of vegan, it seems they have a story about like some weird little ailment of theirs that got cleared up when they, when they did it. And I just, I wish someone would somehow collect, I've heard hundreds, maybe thousands of anecdotal stories from people about how their acne cleared up or their dry skin cleared up or the little mole wart thing they had that they were worried about just went away uh, or arthritis. I mean, just so many different things. And, and it's funny like how few of them, or at least if they are, if there is science around it, at least how it, how it has not really made it into the, the popular uh, awareness. Because I, there's just so many things. And I, I, never, I don't ever want to be the guy who's like going out and proclaiming that, that going vegan will fix all these things because then I think that does more harm than good. Um, but it's just funny that, I mean, everyone has a story of, of their little thing that got cleared up when they started eating this way. So I think that's, that's actually a really good reason for sustaining it. And energy, of course, as well. That's one that I notice all the time. Uh, it's been, I think it's been like 10 years for me now, just over, just shy of 10 since I started, I was vegetarian. Then I went, went, uh, vegan two years after that. But like, I, I've, have pretty much forgotten like what it felt like to not have, you know, to have hit that huge energy law in the middle of the day when like you just can't even keep your eyes open. Uh, and I used to have that all the time. And then, but it's just been so long now eating differently that, uh, it just seems like that is, that is gone. So lots of good reasons. Yeah, when I worked as an electrician, so I just, you know, work a standard, you know, nine hour or eight hour day. And when I would come home at like 435 o'clock, I would have to have a nap like every single day. I would have to have at least like a 30, 45 minute nap. And now I, I, I rarely, if ever, nap throughout the day. Yeah. And I don't think that is a bad thing. I honestly think we shouldn't be embarrassed of wanting or needing a nap and it's possible that we're meant to be biphasic sleepers anyway um but yeah just that just that lull where you just can't function without it uh that's that is seems like that is a thing of the past for me and sounds like you too um on this topic of we we mentioned animal foods just a little bit and the difference between that and plant-based diets derek you mentioned to me that you there's a trend of people going back to animal foods i don't know if you meant like the whole just keto diet and all that stuff or is that a, a youtube thing that i'm i'm not uh not privy to that you just kind of see that sort of thing happening um what did you mean by that and, I, and I, i'm just curious like what 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 do you think of it so there's this so there is a trend right now it seems on youtube and it seems to be gaining momentum right now is that there's like a lot of people that they were eating vegan for x number of years and then just recently, they've started introducing animal foods back into their diet. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like long-term vegan. Like, Some of these many, people are many, like many years. PETA advocates, like 
a lot of these people, most of them were probably vegan over five years. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. people that have been on YouTube, you know, as long as we have, if not longer. And like, it's just really, it's really ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't understand how someone, you know, could think that eating animal products would make them feel better. I think a lot of people have, like most of these people, I'd say 90% of them come from a history of eating disorders things like that and um i think it plays a big role in how people feel because i think a lot of people don't know how to fuel themselves properly or eat enough food and like what happens when they go back to animal products is a lot of them just feel better because they're eating more calories but i mean we don't really know i'm not gonna like bash people but i just always say like it's very easy to forget where you came from and you could go back and watch these people's videos when they first went vegan. Everything cleared up for them. Everything was perfect. And mm-hmm. in the world. And then they, you know, go go to say, like, that it didn't work five years later. And it's like, right. it did, right. you know. <laughs> the other, yeah, the other interesting is, the other interesting thing is, is that a lot of these people don't follow a normal starch-based vegan diet. They try doing one meal a day they what are some lots of water fasting water fasting just like like, lots of these even like urine therapy one guy was doing yeah yeah no okay (laughs) things like that and they don't and they're just like grasping at straws and they're trying to figure this out and so they're trying everything and if they just focus on eating a more starch-based diet simplify things don't stress out about being the the healthiest person on planet earth then i think they would kind of see some more success and they might not want to go back to eating animal-based foods because even like when i think of it like if i walk past the meat aisle in the grocery store like i'm just like like it just it doesn't even seem appetizing at all right and even when we're talking about conception on our instagram um one guy told me that he went back to eating animal-based foods because he because his testosterone is tanked Oh, well, I just had right. testosterone checked, and it was at 531, and that's after being vegan for eight years. So, I actually don't know. Is that is that a good number? I'm assuming it is. It's like it's it's probably it's close to the middle of the range, maybe a little bit above it. But okay. yeah, it's 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 a good solid number. I okay. think our doctor was he was like kind of shocked because <laughs> I mean he knew Derek was vegan. He's like, we're gonna get your testosterone. <laughs> that's like the first thing he said. Right. And he gets checked and he's like, no, it's actually pretty good. Like, it's actually, like, better than most guys. <laughs> All right. There you go. Good. There's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i not going to, like, bash people because I don't – I think a lot of people – I think what happens is people think that there's some type of, like, perfect diet out there. And it's, like, veganism really is about the ethical – you know, treatment of animals, not using them in ways that we're exploiting them. And like, that really is what veganism is. And it can help people so much by just eating like a whole food plant based diet and being healthy. But there's issues with everything, you know, like our food is not grown in good conditions at all. The water that they use to grow food is like the worst water ever. The way that like everything is transported across the world and like the plate the way that we're getting food and like just everything it's not optimal and i think people are very against supplementation and things like that like you know we take the b12 dha spray every single day and like i take a prenatal just because 
that's what the doctor told me to do mm-hmm. when we're trying to conceive and like all this stuff and i think a lot of people don't they're not like let's go let let me go get my levels checked they're just like i'm gonna start eating eggs right and it's like right. maybe you should get a full vitamin mineral panel done talk to <laughs> The actual plant-based doctor gets some tests done and see what's going on, like what the underlying issue is, because I don't know, like there, there's just a lot of reasons. People can feel like shit if they're not eating enough calories, if they're not getting enough sunshine, if they're stressed out. Like, and I think a lot of people, health problems get perpetuated because they constantly think about it. Like I know when I was constantly thinking that I needed to be like a specific weight, I never, ever got there, and I always struggled with it because it was, like, the law of attraction. It was, like, I was constantly perpetuating this issue in my head that I thought about so much. And when you let it go, like, a lot of things clear themselves up because you just kind of leap into the arms of the universe, and you're, like, I'm going to trust that whatever happens is going to, like, clear itself up because I'm doing everything that I can. I'm just stressing about this and, like, Mm -hmm. tracking it and trying to you know, figure all this out, like, isn't doing anything for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, to me, it just seems like there's a whole lot going on with, with that. Like, if, if you know, and, and of course, I believe you guys, there's a trend on YouTube and probably elsewhere of people doing, you know, switching diets and, or going back to animal foods and then making a really big deal about it and, and telling everyone about it and now saying that they've solved all the problems by by going back. I, I mean, I think, first of all, like, if we're, if we are getting this information from people who, who are, also have a reason to want to get attention right online then then that's the thing to do because it's not all that interesting perhaps to like really dive in and figure out what's not quite working with a plant-based diet and go check all your levels i mean i guess you could if you were if your audience was like a science interested one then you could do that sort of thing but i think way more interesting for for you know attention getting purposes is uh to totally go back the opposite direction and now start bashing veganism and have this new miracle diet that is the next the next greatest thing so I think that's probably partly a factor. But I'm glad you brought up the supplementation because to me, like when you said that, like these are people who've been doing this for five years, like that's that's around the amount of time that like if you're not fully doing it correctly, and I, not that there's a one correct way to do it, but eating mostly whole foods and then for me, and of course I'm going to plug compliment as, and thank you for doing that before I did. Um, but like you know, I that's that's part of the reason or that is the reason why I why I helped to create that supplement is because there's these things that like a plant-based diet provides tons and tons of really great things that are are just not that easy to get that much of on normal especially standard american diets but there's these few things that it provides almost none of and like to me like you can feel great for the first three four years um without that but then eventually if if you aren't getting certain foods and you know some plant-based diets maybe do manage to get them just because they're that good but most people or a lot of people will need to add the supplement in um in order to keep feeling good. So I think it's not that surprising that someone feels great for a few years and then, like you said, like uh, ascribes all these positive changes to it and points out all these wonderful things that happen and all this energy. And then after a while, these more chronic deficiencies start to show up if if they're missing. So, you know, whether or not people think supplements are a good idea, uh, entirely different issue. But I, I think that's probably what is going on in a lot of those cases is that somebody yeah. starts to, a deficiency starts to become apparent uh, and you got to either address it or figure something else out but anyway um that is interesting i wanted to talk about just a few more things before we let you guys go here um i guess before we get off i want to ask about the about minimalism in the tiny house but before we do that um and before we leave starch based diet behind um what do you think about micronutrients because when i had mcdougall on my podcast 
I was, and I still am pretty into micronutrition and trying to get lots and lots of, of nutrient dense foods, um, leafy greens, you know, fruits, berries, especially things like ginger, turmeric, these things that just provide tons and tons of micronutrition, um, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, all this other good stuff. And I asked McDougal about that. Cause I was like, if you're eating all this, all these foods that are, that are full of starch, you know, they have a good, a good caloric density, which makes them favorable for weight loss. Um, but not that much micronutrition in them. I mean, relatively speaking, they still have a lot like beans. Great example to have just, they're just a, such a good food for you. Um, and loaded with things, but you know, some things, potatoes, probably less so. Um, and I asked him about that and he, he actually tr- kind of tried to make the point that there were some studies that showed that maybe too many micronutrients weren't good for it. And obviously like in, in some cases, too many of something is not good, but he was even saying that things like blueberries, like they, you know, people didn't get, as we evolve, we didn't evolve to have access to blueberries all the time. And that perhaps that amount of vitamins and minerals all the time, even in a whole food form might, uh, might not be ideal. Do you, have you guys thought at all about that kind of stuff? Or do you, I, mean, I, I thought that was just a crazy idea, but one that was really interesting. Do you think much about micronutrition or are you more about macronutrients? I mean, I think as a big picture, everything is important. And like, obviously eating a, a you know, colorful diet is very important because like people are, who are eating like white bread, white rice, white everything like you're mm-hmm. just not going to really get the full steam of nutrition that you can get but i think i think like i i see where you're coming from but i think a lot of that stuff is super overhyped like we got people buying like 30 dollar acai powders and like green <laughs> powders and mushroom powder and it's not like i don't have those things because i do but I mean, like using them every <laughs> single day and like adding turmeric every single day to your food and like having black pepper with it. And like people get really crazy about this kind of stuff. And these are the types of people that I see that are becoming not vegan anymore because they are so ridiculously obsessed with getting every single little tiny thing. And I just personally, I don't think our bodies are that stupid or fragile. I mean, people live in like as Eskimos living off of basically only meat. And I, yeah. I mean, I do believe that micronutrition is important, but I think it's very easy to take something like that really like too far. And it, it, it's really comes down to money with a lot of people and stuff like promoting every other freaking month. There's a new superfood like yep. every, all the time. And it's like, every food is a superfood. You know, you really just need to, eat a variety of foods you don't need to buy like what are they inca some weird sun, sun berries or whatever yeah, like, like, like what yeah. berries? Like, berries taste awful like <laughs> they do taste like, awful. <laughs> they're awful like i just don't get it i mean i think it's great to have that stuff you know if you can afford it like go for it but it's it's really just like the the granola crunchers that like love <laughs> love the micronutrients because McDougal's right, you can get everything that you need from potatoes and sweet potatoes, like every single thing. Yeah, I, I like that. I actually, I am someone who does get caught up in those things, and I come up with systems that make it pretty easy for me to make sure that I'm getting, I guess in my defense, I make sure that I'm getting those foods without adding a lot of stress to my diet. Um, yeah. So like, you know, berries or something I try to... Like I add greens powder to like smoothies because it's just, it makes it prettier. And like, right. it makes you feel healthier that you're drinking something green instead of something like 
you know, orange. It's like, <laughs> well, this healthy is great. <laughs> but like, right. you know what I'm saying? I just think it's more important to focus on the things that really lack in your diet, like B12, vitamin D. If you're not, you know, if you're driving a car to work every single day, you're sitting in an office all day and then you're driving home at night and you're not getting any sunlight, like you're probably going to feel like shit if you're low on vitamin D. Or for people, like even when I was losing weight, I found there was a point in my weight loss journey where Derek can vouch for this. I took a nap every single day because I had been in like a calorie calorie deficit for so long mm. that I just felt like shit. Like I felt tired. I didn't have the proper nutrition. I wasn't eating enough calories and like that's not healthy either. So I think if people are eating enough food and they're eating, you know, they're getting the right things that need to be supplemented on a vegan diet, like they're going to feel, they're going to feel fine because our bodies can store so much stuff in our fat cells. Like yeah. I like, much- I like what you said about our bodies are not, are not as stupid as we think and that they are, are actually quite intelligent and that they can thrive under a variety of circumstances. So I think that's, that's actually a really good thing to keep in mind for people who like me, who will tend to get carried away and think we absolutely need to get these certain foods every single day or else, you know, something horrible is going to happen. I think it's a, a really good point that people survive under a whole lot of conditions. Yeah. And it's more the people that don't, like, don't believe in supplementation that have issues. Like, I see people, like, have huge B12 issues or huge, like, vitamin D issues and stuff like that. And it's scary. Like, the kind of problems that they have because it's not something that you can just, like, take one pill and, like, you're you're good to go. Like it takes a while to build those levels up. It takes a long time to deplete them as well. So if you're not getting those things on a consistent basis, or if you're like not eating enough food on a consistent basis, like you can definitely have deficiencies. And I know at that point where I was sleeping all the time, I had some type of a deficiency. I just did. Because you start losing all of your storage. Like sure. storage is Yep. Makes sense. So what, uh, what type of diet, I mean, I know you guys sell like recipe books and things like that. What, what are you telling people as far as like, you know, here's, here's the way that we are recommending that you eat, or at least, you know, to follow, you know, Hannah's way of eating. Like, like what, what would you say is your philosophy these days? Is, is it pretty much like the start solution just kind of made, made, uh, maybe perhaps a little bit more mainstream? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Say, you took the start solution, you made it like doable. Right. Right. Ever- I mean, McDougal, he has a lot of recipes in his book, but they're not, like, recipes that people right. <laughs> want to eat. Well, that's how all those are, right? I mean, the Eat to Live, Joe Furman's book's like, I love the philosophy, but I just, the recipes, I just can't, I just can't yeah. eat that way. I mean, basically, it's just sticking to, like, whole food, like, any whole food, basing your diet on, like, if you were to create a bowl of food, right? Like, you'd have um, brown rice or some type of, like, whole grain, quinoa, kamut, whatever, barley um have like half your plate be vegetables some type of kale or broccoli or like vegetable mix um and then like add some whole fats to your food like avocado have some beans basically like dr gregor's daily dozen honestly mm-hmm. I'm just eating a whole food plant-based diet but like hitting all those things like having a variety of not just different whole grains like you shouldn't be eating rice all the time but have potatoes or have you know, quinoa or rye or barley or switch it up, have sweet potatoes, potatoes, beans, all different kinds of vegetables, um, all different kinds of fats, like hemp seeds, avocado, coconut, like we eat everything. It's just, we try to just not have 
um, any oil in our diet. Mm-hmm. We don't really eat any sugar ever. And yeah, that's it. I mean, it's pretty simple. But we still go out and like, well, last night we cooked up garden chicken tenders. <laughs> really good mashed potatoes, though. But yeah. with mashed potatoes as a side, and then I also had a bunch of steamed broccoli as a side. So it was like, even when we go and eat like a processed food, it's a very small part of our diet. And it's like, yeah. Exactly. I just read a blog post the other day about how I had stopped eating oil at home, and uh, I mean I've done it before, gone away from it, and then came back to it, and then I finally said, all right, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna have little bits here and there, but it's always gonna be unheated, and you know all these different restrictions that I put on, and then I went and had uh, those the Beyond sausages. Have you have you seen these? Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like the uh, first of all, they they made me feel horrible, but. Uh, so I got to put that out there. They're not healthy for you, and I think I think it's I talk about this a lot that I think it's a real a huge mistake that people think that this is vegan food and this is I mean it's vegan, but that this is what plant based food is and that this is healthy, um, just by virtue of being made of plants instead of animals. Um, but anyway, they they were really good. They actually I got the Italian ones and I cooked them in a sauce. And I, my excuse like yours is that I just put it with tons of healthy other foods, so I don't feel too badly about it, but. Like, I hope that one day the standard American diet will be, like, gone. And, like, all there will be is, like, the vegan junk food and then the healthy vegan diet. And, like, that'll be it. Because you could totally replace an entire standard American diet with vegan junk food. Oh, yeah. You totally could. It would be a little bit healthier because, obviously, you don't have, like, the cholesterol. There's no suffering. We're, like, totally saving the planet because all the ridiculous just destruction that animal factory farming causes but i mean like that would be ideal like having this is you know replacing the standard american diet with all vegan junk food <laughs> right yeah and so like- i mean the problem i i think i agree with you i think that's way better than the current situation obviously I, i'd be worried that if that happened people would forget to draw the line between that and the healthy vegan diet and they'd say see being vegan doesn't make you that healthy because look at all these people that are still sick. And then and then there's this backlash and then it's all back to animals. But hopefully the uh hopefully economic and environmental and other reasons will prevent us from eating animal food anyway. So maybe we won't have to worry about that. Yeah, like even last week <clears throat> we went out to our favorite Mexican restaurant, uh, where we live, and we hadn't probably eaten there for like a month or so. And we just got typically what we what we normally get. Um but when they prepare the foods, obviously they you know, they fry some of the ingredients. Some of them might have some oil in it. And after we got back from there, I just wanted to have a nap. Yeah. Like just didn't like just didn't sit obviously as well as it should have. And I think that's a good test. So if you're eating really clean for a certain period of time and then you eat something else and you're like, oh boy, like I'm not feeling too good after that meal, then that should be a good kind of indication to you that it's not something that you want to eat on a continual basis. It's just you know, eat it sparingly here and there, special events, that kind of thing. Yeah, and if you're eating that stuff all the time and you feel great, you're probably not feeling as good as you think you are. Yeah, <laughs> right, you right, know. exactly. Good. So, uh, if people want to check out your recipe books and philosophy and all that, best place to do it is at highcarbhanna.co. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And and of yeah, course the YouTube channel. Let me get the dot com. So it's highcarbhanna.co i used to have highcarbhanna.com and then i didn't re- like, <laughs> yeah and then somebody else bought it and they want like it 10 grand for it, and it's like that's just ridiculous uh, man that's too bad 
Well, that's all right. Nothing wrong with CO. All right. All our recipe books are um, whole foods, no, no oil, very low salt, no sugar. Some of them do have like a tiny bit of gluten in them, but basically like we eat 90% gluten free as well. Um, soy free. Like we just, like if you eat whole plant foods, you're really eating like a gluten free, soy free, like just everything kind of free diet. <laughs> <laughs> so people are always like, does, does your book have this? Does it have allergies and stuff? And it's like, Pretty much no, like you right. can, you know. So yeah. Cool. Well, like I said, or like I alluded to earlier, I really do appreciate the uh, simplification of the whole thing and making it all seem appealing and more, you know, doable by a normal person. Because I think it's just that's that's such a huge obstacle that there is to overcome um, with veganism in general. Like as we said, it's it's just not that hard to do, but there's this perception that it is, and there are, like you said, just so many little niche ways of doing it we mentioned raw of course you know there is the the starch there are people who you know try to do the vegan keto thing and there's so many different ways to do it and people all fight with each other and it's kind of crazy to me so i think i think you know just kind of making it like doable i think that is a huge service to uh to the movement in the community so uh thank you for that i think it's all great and uh, looking forward to checking out some of it myself before we go i want to talk about minimalism and the and the tiny house do you guys still live in tiny house yeah. Yeah, we do. In Arizona, is that where it is? Yes. Did you build it? I built it. Yeah. You built it. Yeah. And what, uh, like, what, what kind of, how much did you have to pare down to get there? I guess I'm asking. And how long have you been minimal? I want to know about all these things. I, I love this topic, and I'm not minimalist because, well, this is my excuse is that I have a family, and they're just, I, I don't know. I'm not about to take all the toys away from the eight and five year old and say, you know, you got to have fifty things or less or anything. Uh, I suppose people probably do that. Well, I just, I just am not willing to, uh, so I, I just sort of fantasize about being minimalist and I sort of try to get rid of my own stuff, but it makes little impact on the way my day to day is because there's all this other stuff around. But, uh, yeah, like when did you guys get into that and how, and how did you have to reduce a whole lot to get into the tiny house or was it pretty much you were already there? So before I met Hannah, I did a number of like bike tours around Southeast Asia and Australia. So I was just riding my bike around and everything that I had in terms of like what I owned had to fit with me on my bike. So you can just imagine like two pannier bags on the back of my bike and that was pretty much it. So all my clothes and my laptop, camera gear, etc. So that was kind of more out of necessity because the less weight that you have on your bike um, or the less weight that you have on your on your body, that much easier it is obviously cycle several thousand kilometers across countries Mm -hmm. so i tried to keep things as minimal as possible just to make it easier for myself and i just found that i didn't really need a lot of this stuff um so that's kind of how i got into it and when hannah and i first started chatting with each other we did talk about um living in a tiny house and for us when when we moved down to tucson originally we lived in a 400 square foot apartment and we really didn't have that much stuff and yeah. we didn't really have to pare down because at that stage we had basically gotten rid of everything, sold everything that we didn't really need. And then... yeah, yeah, we had no furniture. Like we moved from my house in Minnesota and we drove across the country in my Mer- like a Mercedes, like a tiny car. So at that point we had basically nothing but like an instant pot and <laughs> a mattress pad, like a mattress topper like what you would put on top of your mattress that's what we've been sleeping on <laughs> right. 
yeah. like three or four years. So we really didn't have anything. And we, I mean, now is the time when we have more stuff than we've ever had. Because <laughs> we have a shed and we have a garage that we're building and like uh-huh. a house. Whereas when we lived in our apartment, we didn't really have much at all. We didn't have nearly as much space. Now we've got a tractor. <laughs> 40 acres of land. We can put a lot of right, crap around. Right. We can yeah. start, there's a lot of people around here that are hoarders. Like, you just drive by, and it's like every weekend there's a yard sale. And it's like, is your yard a junkyard, or do you, do you just, like, do your business? And it's like, I mean, so we, just because you live in a tiny house doesn't mean you're a minimalist. But I would say that we, I think we still kind of embrace it. It's just over time, like, especially being on YouTube and being influencers, we get a lot of stuff for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah, we, uh. I used to, have, I wouldn't say it was a problem. I used to get a lot of that free stuff. And then actually a lot of it was motivated by this desire to have less junk. And honestly, I was just throwing away most of it or donating it or whatever. So we eventually just stopped accepting it entirely and just said, no, we just don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Um, but now and then when there's a really good one, I'll, I'll change that policy, of course. <laughs> yeah. And just some strategies for you, Matt. So, and for your, uh, for your listeners mm-hmm. is it's not about getting to under like a hundred items. Cause I even made a video on that when I was like super into it Yep. and I counted everything that I had and I'm like, it's like 102 items or something like that. And that's really extreme and it's not really practical obviously for most people. So what you want to focus on is start thinking about like when you look at certain items in your, in your home is like, does this add value to my life? Mm-hmm. And it's like just a really simple question. It's yes or no. So does this add value to my life? I'm like looking at our Berkey filter. Yes, it definitely adds value to our life, purifies and cleans all of our water. If I went out into my shed and I started looking through my rummage boxes and and I could look at some of these things and I'm like, I even forgot that I even had this thing. Right. Or even what it's for. Yeah, or what it's for. <laughs> like how long have I been holding on to this thing in the hopes that maybe one day I might use it? And that's where a lot of people, they certainly become hoarders or they just start collecting a lot of stuff is like, you just got to like, see, is this like, in, is this going to add actually some value to my life or is it something that I can sell? Is it something that I can give away? Is it something that I can donate? Yeah. Like, it is, is it going to make that big of an impact on my life if it isn't in my life? Yeah. And it's kind of hard to say, like, if you're a minimalist. Or if you're not, because people are always like, you guys aren't minimalist. Like, you're building an actual house. And it's like, well, living in a tiny house doesn't make you a minimalist. But work, I mean, I'm constantly asking myself that question. Like, uh-huh. I am constantly cleaning out clothes that companies have given me and, like, just books that we have laying around and just stuff all the time. Like, all the time. I'm constantly getting rid of stuff and bringing stuff to the Goodwill or, like, giving stuff to friends or whatever like I get so much makeup and stuff it's just ridiculous you know but yeah I don't know it can be hard because we're always accumulating stuff even if you never bought anything ever again you'd still Mm. oh yeah yeah because we think free stuff is great so if we get a free t-shirt from whoever like not the influencer thing just seeing seeing that you get a free t-shirt at this event or whatever you think you go to uh, for some reason, we just want to we just want to get that right because it's free. And we don't have to pay for it, and then we get it, and then we put it in our drawer, and we don't get rid of one to to yeah. you know make the same or you space. Feel bad getting rid of it, or you get like a you know a grocery bag yeah. for free or something, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's like you start to feel like you're a bad person if you get rid of something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right? Yeah, it's funny. Um, the the 
thing you said about the question about like, does this add value to my life? I don't know if you guys are familiar with, I mean, of course you're familiar with the, um, the Marie Kondo thing, right? The life-changing magic phenomenon that's now like, that on, that's on Netflix. Well, right it was now. a, it was a best-selling book. And then back in 2000, maybe 15, and then she put out a follow-up to it called spark joy. And now there's a Netflix show and now everyone's now everyone knows about it because of the Netflix show. Um, but her thing there is, is does this object spark joy in my life? Like that's her question as you're holding your hand, does it spark joy? And I did that back in 2016 and like that whole, you know, decluttering process for me has actually lasted through now, which is amazing because I don't make things last that long usually. Um, but for me, it was like, that was such the opposite from when I was trying to be a minimalist and I was following the minimalist bloggers and, you know, thinking about having 50 or a hundred things. It felt like hanging on to something like that that was by its nature a bad thing that keeping an item was a bad was a mark against you if you kept something and everything you had was worse that whole that book though changed me in the way that you just said like it it made it more what was a mark against you was having something that you didn't actually want that didn't add to your life in some way and so it totally changed it and then it took it took minimalism for me from being this thing that was like about like being angry at the world and just showing how little things i could have um to something that was much more about like, I'm going to fill my life with the things that bring joy to it. And like, it doesn't matter how many there are, but if they're not doing that, then they're not going to be in my life. But as, but as long as they're on that, then there's no problem with having a lot of them. Yeah. There's um something we had done by some, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was like this, this massive test that we took and it showed us like the traits about ourselves. And I think it's a really good thing that people should look into. What was it called? Is it the human design charts? Yeah, so they're human design charts, and there's a woman that, like, she was a specialist in it. She mm -hmm. did this for us for free. Oh. It was a really good thing to realize what kind of a person you are, because if you're an extreme person, you can take an idea and run away with it and have it control your life, right? Like, you could see minimalism and be like, oh, I'm only going to have, like, seven things, because I really only need seven things to actually live my life. Right. Or, like, people that will, you know, take zero waste, like, to an extreme and it's like there's good things about all these practices i realize that i am an extreme person <laughs> like i can't just start throwing away everything that i have because i have this new concept you know and i think yeah. a lot of people have that inclination that we see something we're motivated by it we're like i'm getting rid of everything and like i'm never gonna use a plastic bag or anything ever again and it's like we need to take take the good take things that we can reasonably achieve in our life and just try as hard as we can like try as hard as you can not to use plastic and try as hard as you can not to have a bunch of random shit laying around all the time like try as hard as you can to eat as healthy as you know the best that you can like a whole foods plant-based diet but don't like take it to a to the extreme because then it creates so many issues for people you know and i think those human design charts that we had done were it was a really good thing for us to just realize the type of people we are because if you're like a super perfectionist or like a super extremist you can take these ideas and like have it destroy you yeah which i mean which has obviously like we talked about at the whole beginning of this episode <laughs> just the the obvious tie-ins to food and you know the whole plant-based community and what you can do when you pick one little aspect of it and then take it to the extreme uh right. you know for some people that that's good and that's what that's what kind of you know makes everything suddenly work uh, but I think for the vast majority, when you go down some angle like that and just, you know, go crazy with it, it, it for the, it often does more harm than good. So I think that's a really important message for people to get, uh, which I did not expect to, to do with the minimalism conversation. Didn't realize we would tie it back to food, but, uh, 
wonderful that we did. It all goes together. Uh, Hannah and Derek, thank you very much for your time. This has been fun for me, and I hope others have enjoyed getting to know you. If they didn't already know you, uh, check out High Carb Hannah on YouTube or highcarbhannah.com. Co. Co. Um, see their recipe books and ebooks and all kinds of other good stuff. Anything else, guys? I think that's it, huh? Yeah. Thank right you. On. All right. We'll seeing you in about a month now. Yes, in about a month in the casino. I, I may not. Be able to <laughs> I, I have the kids, as I said. I may not be able to put in quite the uh, casino time that I that I typically do, but I will absolutely be doing everything I can to maximize that time. So. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll it's see. funny how smart and logical we can be, and we know that when we're gambling, we know that we're ultimately going to be on the losing end at of course, some point. Right. We still think we're like, <laughs> I just got to go play because you're you're on the open seas, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? That's that's a very good point. I mean, that's really, what else are you going to? Right. Do? Well, it's not like you're on a floating city or something that has a billion other activities. Well. I- I mean, at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, there's not much else to do other than eat the pizza and gamble. That's actually right. Yeah. So we're doing that instead of, we could be doing less healthy things, right? We could be drinking and, and wake up early and go work out with Robert Cheek, but you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to do that this year. I'm, I'm finally in shape to do those Robert Cheek workouts. I'm going to be there too. I'm going to be there. Any any class that Giacomo does or Robert does, uh I'm I'm going to do it because I think they're at like 7 or 8 in the morning and I should be up for that. So. Yeah. Good. Well, then I look forward to seeing you guys there. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks again, guys. This is fun. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.